It says, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you to. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, now I've put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over the nations and the kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Amen. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, O oh Lord God. We give you all honor, we give you all glory, and we give you all praise. Lord God, as we come to you to hear your word, O oh Father, we pray, Lord God, that you put your words, O oh Lord God, into my mouth, O oh Father, and that, Lord God, everything that I will speak, O oh Father, will come from you. Lord, I just want to exalt you, give you all honor, give you all glory and all praise. Lord God, I pray, O oh Father, that I'll speak to myself, Lord God, just as I speak to everyone else, Lord, here today. And Lord, I pray, O oh Father, that, Lord, you'll open our ears, O oh Father, so that we will be attentive to your word, O oh Father, and that we will hide it in our hearts, Lord, so that we do not sin against you. We pray, Lord God, that your word, your word will build us, O oh Father, and that, Lord, we will know you more and more. We give you all honor, all glory, and all praise. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who forgive us. I've been thinking about this. I've been pondering it over and over since Monday when we had uh, the Freedom in Christ course. We were doing the forgiveness and it's been going over and over in my mind. I've been thinking about the power of forgiveness and I've been thinking about the gift that I received when Christ forgave me. Have you ever stopped and wondered how much that forgiveness means to you? Have you ever thought of it the way that they acted the drama here? That you will just pray that prayer in passing. But what we need to do is when we get to that point, when we say, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who, for, who, who trespass against us, do we really mean that? Do we really forgive? Is it Bill? Do we really forgive Bill? Do we really let go and let God it is a very, very important question that we need to ask ourselves and do something about it if we haven't done anything about it yet. I will then go to my preaching for tonight. The title is Zip It and Pray. I will be honest, it's a stolen title. I stole it from somewhere. I will probably acknowledge it someday when I get a chance. My first question is, what is prayer? And is it important? Before we can answer that question, I'd like us to take half a minute. Just be quiet. Close your eyes and be quiet.
can open your eyes now. Was it really fired? No. We may, we may have been quiet, but there's a lot going on. There's the projector humming up here. There's a lot of thoughts going on on our minds. All those are the things that happen in the background that we don't realize distract us in a way. They might distract us when we pray. But first we need to find out what prayer is. In order to give a proper definition of what prayer is, I looked it up and prayer247.com says, prayer at its simplest is a conversation between you and the God who created the solar systems and the stem cells. A holy waste of time that helps you to get to know who God is, what he is like, and express our thanks and hopes and hearts and needs. Yeah? And Wikipedia says, <laughs> prayer is from the Latin precari, which is to ask earnestly, beg or entreat, is an invocation or act that seeks to activate a rapport with an object of worship through deliberate communication. And the Oxford Dictionary says, a sermon request for help or expression of thanks addressed to God or to another deity, which is another supreme being. So we can see there are many definitions of prayer and there are many understandings of it. But my definition of prayer is that prayer is a place. It is a place, it is a desire, it is a lifestyle of seeking to know God to know him deeply and have a, consi a consistent and intimate relationship with him. Prayer is a conversation, it is fellowship, and it is oneness with God. That is my definition of prayer. I don't know what your definition of prayer is. You see, when God created man, there was no need for men to pray because men had fellowship with God. He could walk any part of the garden and say, hey God, what's up? <laughs> and God understood that and everything was honky-dory then. But then when men sinned, the fellowship was broken. That link with God was disjointed. And men became spiritually dead because the Bible tells us that we have all sinned and become short of the glory of God. So even when babies are born, they are born spiritually dead unless they come to God and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, which is when the resurrection takes place, which is when the spirit is born and is connected to God. So when men got disjointed to God, God immediately set a plan into action to reconcile men into himself. So what men ought to do, as long as sin lingers around, men ought to separate himself from sin and draw himself nearer to God. This can be done through prayer 
And this can be done through repentance. Repentance is turning, turning around, making a 360-degree three, turn and face a different direction, which is the direction you choose to walk with God. Where it says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the earth that it is talking about. The earth that is me. The earth that is you. So when you say, let your will be done, you really need to think about that because you can't say, let your will be done. And when God says, right, go and minister at the bus stop, you say, oh, but God, I can't do that. Those people are fierce. Um, no, God, I'll do it next week. It doesn't work that way. When you say, let your will be done, it is saying, God, I surrender everything. I choose to go your way. So when we pray, we open a communication channel with God. And to understand the importance of prayer, we need to go back into the life that Jesus lived. Everywhere we read in the Bible, before Jesus did a miracle, he looked up and gave thanks and then did whatever needed to be done. And at the end of each day, we are told that Jesus withdrew himself and went to the mountain. He went there to have a chat with his father. And he will say to him, this is how the day has gone. How do I do this or how do I do that? We know that Jesus was God in flesh. But being God, he still saw the need to pray, and he prayed it. He lived a life of prayer. Every time Jesus went up to the mountain, he went to recharge his batteries. We see in Matthew 14, 23, it says, after he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was alone. So, Jesus went to spend time with his father alone. That was his quiet time, which we all need to have a quiet time. We need to dedicate, there are 24 hours in a day, and some of us dedicate 10 minutes to that 24 hours to prayer. And what's happening with the other 23 and 50 minutes? We need to be budgeting our time more wisely. Because when we give our time to God, God will make a 24-hour day 27 hours. Because he will make time. He'll stop time for you so you'll be able to do things. But if you spend 10 minutes in 24 hours to pray, then you'll see your day becomes 15 hours because your time is disappeared somehow. And we know that the disciples walked with Jesus for three years. The only thing that we hear they ask Jesus was to teach them how to pray. They could have asked him to teach, teach them how to raise people from the dead, 
but they asked him one thing. They asked him how to pray. We hear in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, it says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So, we as a church, we need to ask Jesus to teach us how to pray. We might ask ourselves, if or when we pray, is God listening? Yes, God listens to us all the time. Do you remember the children's song that says, he's got the whole world in his hands? That, ho that whole world includes me, it includes you. So we are in his hands. And we need, we need to know that God has got our, our back. We are the apple of his eye. So God does pay attention to what he's saying. Psalms 18 says, I call on you, my God, for you will answer me. Turn your ear to me and hear my prayer. So when we pray, we know, as, as David tells us, that God will hear us and he will answer us. We also hear how Peter, we also hear in, from Peter how the Lord uh, has his eyes on the righteous. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. That's from 1 Peter 3, verse 12. Now that we know that God is listening and that God cares about us, we need to turn our focus to him. And we need to be serious about our prayer life. We need to say, let it be more time for God and less time for me. And then there will be more time for us because God will make that time available. We need to say, let, let there be more of God and less of me. Let God increase and let me decrease. As I decrease, let me learn to love my neighbor as I love myself. I've never stood in front of a mirror and gossiped about myself. I, I don't think that's possible. If I can't gossip about myself, how can I be able then to gossip about my neighbor? That's not the same love that I have for myself if I go and gossip about my neighbor. I picked something else that says, more prayer is equal to less gossip. So when you spend time praying, you don't have time to be gossiping because your focus is on God and nothing else. So you might ask yourself another question. Does God answer prayer? Does God answer prayer? He does indeed. Does the prayer come the, the answers to prayer come timely? They do come timely in God's timing, not in our timing. We hear about Daniel when he prayed. 
Daniel 9.20 says, While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen earlier in the vision, came to me in, in a swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said, Daniel, I've come to give you the insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out on which I have come to tell you, for you have been highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. So as soon as Daniel started praying, the answer was issued immediately. But it didn't get to him until about 20-something days later. So it, sometimes it happens and we have to understand why that happens. It could be we are not ready for the, for the answer at that point. Or it could be, as the Bible tells us, the spiritual forces that we fight against that are holding your answer. Your answer has already been issued, but then it's taking longer to get to you because of the principalities. Daniel 10.2 tells us, then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, I've come in response to them. But the prince of Persia kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Mikhail, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So we hear that the answer was held in transit. But because Daniel continued to pray, eventually the answer got to him. We hear that the battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the principalities. Ephesians 6 from verse 10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his might, in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the evil in heavenly realms. Heavenly realms is where the angels have to pass by to come and deliver your answer. And that is where Daniel's answer was held. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in the place, and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take the shield of faith which you can, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So you equip yourself with the word of God. You also equip yourself with prayer. Pray continually. Do not stop. Because when you pray, we remember when uh, Moses, uh, was uh, these children of Israel were fighting 
the Amalekites. Aaron and Hare held his arms in place. Every time his arms were held up, the children of Israel won. So when you pray, you are holding, you are holding your, your angel up. By continuous prayer, you are strengthening him. You are, you are giving him that force that he needs to fight for you. So it is important that in whatever you do, you, do, you never give up. No matter how fierce the storm is, never give up. Carry on praying. I heard of a story of a young lady who was driving with her father when they hit a storm. And when they got to the storm, the young lady asked, what should I do? The father said, keep on driving. As they were driving through, the cars began to pull out. The storm was getting worse. What should I do? The young lady asked. The father replied, keep driving. On a few feet up, she noticed that 18 wheelers were also pulling over. She told her dad, I must pull over. I can barely see ahead. It is terrible. Everyone is pulling over. Her father told her, don't give up. Just keep driving. Now the storm was really terrible, but she never stopped driving. Soon she could see a little more clearly. And after a couple of miles again, she was on dry land and the sun came out. And her father said, now you can pull up. She said, but why now? When you get out of, when you get out, look back, all the people that pulled out are still in the storm. Because you never gave up, your storm is over now. So, if you're going through a storm, do not stop midway in the storm. Keep pushing, keep praying. Hold on to that prayer. You will soon be out of the storm. Ephesians 6, 18 tells us, and pray in the spirit on all occasion with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert always. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whatever I speak, the words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Pray that when I see those people at the bus stop and the Lord says I should go to them, I will go to them. I will have the courage to do so. And I pray that when the Lord sends you, you will also go with courage. You might ask yourself another question. Why should God care for me? Or why should God care about me? Well, we are told in John 3, 16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his, only, his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's only son. So God loved us 
even before we knew him, he already loved us. He already cared about us. Even before he created us in our mother's wombs, he knew us and he loved us and he predestined us. So he cares about us because it is part of his plan. There's nothing that we can do for God to stop caring about us. What we need to be aware of is that God does not, li does not like sin. He hates sin, but he loves the sinner. He wants the sinners to come back to him so that they can be his children again. Another question you might ask yourself is, is that me? Another question you might ask yourself My own sale? Yeah. Is if God knows everything, what is the point of prayer? Well, that's a tricky question, but that's a very simple question as well to answer. God knows everything. God doesn't want anything from you. He just wants you to come and have fellowship with him. As much as we know that prayer is a way of petitioning God, the main reason that we should be praying is to seek God. We should be seeking to know him rather than seeking his hands. He sums it all in Matthew 6, that we should seek first his kingdom and everything else will be added unto us. So God knows what we need. All that he needs from us is to go to him and seek him and he will provide for us as, as, a, as he knows all our needs. Does a person with many praying friends stand a better chance of getting answered than a person praying alone? We know there is power in corporate prayer. We see many examples of how God showed up and poured his power when the disciples gathered together. A lot of things happen, and we've seen a lot of breakthroughs happen when people pray together. But that doesn't mean that when you pray alone, things don't happen either. Things still do happen. Because we see, we've seen earlier in the example that Jesus went to the mountain alone. He could have taken his disciples, but he went to the mountain alone. So, there, there is a, a higher chance of things happening in corporate prayer because you are there in one accord, just like the apostles were in one accord. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 18, Truly I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in, in heaven. I'll let you into a secret. When you go into a room to pray, you are never alone. You are engaging in corporate prayer because Jesus is there with you. And as you pray with him, he is also seated at the right hand of the Father and he is interceding for you.
So there is nothing like you're praying on your own because you are never alone. So all prayer really is corporate prayer. Does prayer change God or does prayer change me? I don't know, but I think prayer changes me. I think God is unchangeable. Um, C.S. Lewis put it this way. I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because I need flaws out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God, it changes me. So when I pray, prayer changes me. Every time I pray, I come out a better person. The more I pray, the more I become like Jesus. So if you want to become like Jesus, you need to put a bit more effort into prayer. You need to, bit, to put a, a little bit more time, a bit more than 10 minutes. I'm not going to say how, mu how much time you need to put into prayer. It's between you and God. But considering that the day is 24 hours, I don't think 10 minutes is adequate enough. I'm speaking to myself. So, as a church, we need to address the issue of prayer. We need to stop worrying about things that don't matter and worry about things that really make a difference to the life of the church. We need to make sure as individuals, as well as a church, that we up our prayer time and we up the way that we pray. The more we give to God, the more we get back from him. Ephesians 3.20 says, now to him who is able to do immeasurable more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is in work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And I'll leave you with Colossians 4 verse 2 which says devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful and pray for us too that God may open the door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards the outsiders. Make, make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of every bus stop that you go to. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know the, how to answer everyone. Amen.